Good afternoon, and welcome to the Voice of Wisdom. With over 60 years of experience as an investment banker, entrepreneur, investment analyst, economist, and venture capitalist, Morty Davis is Wall Street and capitalism personified. The over 400 companies for which he has raised more than $3 billion over the years have created a countless number of jobs and exciting new products. Through the voice of wisdom, Mr. Davis explores, analyzes, and debates the most topical political, economic, and social issues facing our world today. Joining Mr. Davis today for a discussion on political privilege and the debt ceiling is Ephraim Lowy. And now, Mr. Davis and Mr. Lowy. <clears throat> Hello again. It's great to be back with you all. I, my listeners, the, um, the group that has real wisdom, I always enjoy the message you send me, the notes you send me. Even when you disagree with me, they're very wise, they're very well supported, and they teach me uh, things that I never thought or recognized. So thank you all for being part of this uh, audience that tunes in every Wednesday, and God bless you all. I'm delighted to have Mr. Lowy here today. He's a genius. He's a, he really came in his tennis outfit, so I really appreciate that. Right off the tennis court. We can uh, do battle. <laughs> Verbal tennis. Yeah. I was an avid tennis player before the pandemic, and I took a break, and now it's hard for me to get back. Anyway. Um, you'll, st you'll still beat me. <laughs> Not if I can keep my balance. <laughs> anyway, um, we're in for an exciting uh, discussion, I believe, uh, because we're talking about the privileges that our political uh, representatives, including the Supreme Court, the, the Congress, the President, uh, enjoy, even though we're told that we're all equal under the law. That's, that's obviously not true, and you'll see why when I uh, uh, enumerate the various privileges and uh, literally breaking of the law that uh, these um, representatives of ours uh, are entitled to. So uh, we can get started because uh, let me su suggest a couple. The, the members of the Congress, both the Senate and the House, are allowed to buy stocks and companies that have inside information, in which they learn inside information. For example, if they just had a meeting and they decided to give Boeing or Northrop, leading defense companies, a $5 billion contract, which is going to push up the stock the minute they announce it, they're allowed to buy it as they learn about it. The whole world doesn't know, only the insiders at Congress know. And then it shoots up and they're allowed to sell it the next day after the announcement, or they can keep it, but they had the opportunity to buy it from somebody who didn't have this information, 
and they could, they were allowed to enjoy profits that other people that do this, anybody else outside of Congress that does this, uh, is locked up in jail, is, is found uh, violating the law. Uh, the um, In the case of the Supreme Court, we just realized that uh, Thomas, Justice Thomas, took millions and millions of dollars of presents from a, a, a wealthy, um, what, what was his name, Crown? Uh, Crow? Crow, Crow, yeah, Crow. He, he took trips on his, on his yacht, he, was, he took flights, millions of dollars, and didn't even report it, much less uh, turn it down or and he put and Crow brings things uh, um, issues before the Supreme Court that Thomas has to judge on, and even the uh, head of the Supreme Court, the Chief Justice, has taken issue with the fact that well we make our own rules and we had, do have an ethics code. So that's that's just one of the privileges. That there's a lot more. Uh, I'll think about it and I'll convey to you during the course of this program. So, <clears throat> how do you feel about that? Uh, um, yeah, you, 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 you raise a lot of good points, and um, I'm assuming you are of the opinion that uh, these are unethical and they should not have these privileges. Absolutely. Why yeah. should another citizen I, I would, that? that learns of information before others do, has access to some friend at the company or something, and buys a stock. And if he's found out, if he's uh, discovered to have done that, is uh, uh, indicted and put in jail. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in complete agreement on that. Um, certainly, it, it's not just that they can profit, right? It's also that they're now incentivized to give the contract to almost the worst company that will have the biggest stock price <laughs> appreciation, right? That's if so, they already own the stock. Or, or, or you know, they can buy it. No, so, so uh, it doesn't have to be, it could be any company. Yeah, look, when, in any system, you, you want to get rid of as many perverse incentives as you have. Right. And this, uh, uh, I have no idea why this loophole exists, that members of Congress can, uh, can are exempt from insider trading. Um, this is a no-brainer to the point where I'm, I'm not even sure I couldn't even make the case for the other side on this one. Um, on the Supreme Court issue, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, nobody should be taking money from uh, a, a potential bribe, right? No, no justice should ever be getting money from someone who they have to rule about. Um, in the Torah, that's expressly forbidden. The, the Talmud actually goes to great lengths that even, um, you know, e even... Offering uh, a judge a ride or help in any way or um, even the minus detail of how you could be a benefit to a judge invalidates that judge from adjudicating your case. So um, certainly the example you, you said um, would be egregious. I, I think the biggest point with all of this is it should be just full transparency, right? So like you said, had he reported it, had he reported it and we could somehow quantify what he got and how we got it, like, 
I don't think we have to make sure no Supreme Court justice ever gets on any boat or plane or gets anything gratuitous. Um, I, I'm not, you know, like remember when they went after BB for $10,000 of furniture, like, come on, <laughs> let's be real. But certainly anything meaningful, yeah, it should be reported. And the transparency itself is the checks and balances. So I'm not sure exactly how to get this done, but you know, these, th these particular privileges that you've mentioned so far, absolutely no, it, it's not just that they shouldn't have these privileges, right? It's almost like inviting bad behavior, right? Like, well, they, they would argue there's got to be some inducement for them to do public service, so they should have this, this special privilege. Yeah, so but, up to salary. But no, yeah, up to salary. Do something, but don't do something that's, that other people, everybody's supposed to be equal under the law, and clearly they're not. And Nancy Pelosi is supposedly one of the major violators of this, or users of this. She owns many stocks where she's on committees that she learns exactly what what they're going to do and then buys the stock. Yeah, this is egregious. And I, I would, you know, uh, one of the things we agree on most in this podcast, uh, I think we're both not particular fans of the previous president. But um, the Hunter Biden story, if it's true, and again, I don't have any information, but the fact that he may have gotten payments from foreign, foreign countries, that's huge, right? Like, our elected officials should be working on our behalf, not on their behalf, right? And any incentive for them to do something that doesn't serve the public, so any, <laughs> any money coming from a foreign national, from a specific company, from an insider trade, is a disaster. It's a perverse incentive, right? Charlie Munger always says, show me the incentives and I'll show you the outcome. Follow, right? follow the money. Right? Follow the money. So, um, it's, uh, th there's, you know, I could see some privileges, like I, on the note you passed me beforehand, I see like some certain exemptions from libel or slander. I could see how maybe we should have tougher standards for them. They should be allowed certain privileges that align with helping them do their job. But this is the opposite, right? This is literally putting their, allowing them to put their right. personal interests ahead of the American people. And, you know, why, why should we make it hard for them to be good, right? Why, <laughs> why make, like politicians have a hard enough time <laughs> being good, decent people. Let's not make it harder for them, right? And it's just not harder. It's, it's, it's all, they, all they do is like everybody else. If you think complying with the law is hard, then all our citizens, every one of us, is a victim <laughs> of that torture. You know, libel and, and uh, defamation, a speech by congressmen is, uh, is uh, immune. Yeah, so like... But, but maybe there's some logic to that because they speak a lot. If you speak enough sometimes, you could say things. But why, why they should have the ability without being sued uh, if, if they ruin somebody's life and ruin his uh, reputation by making a speech that's... Uh, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, maybe they should, there should be a higher standard of malicious intent that you have to prove, but they shouldn't be completely exempt, right? If they know what they're doing... Um, look, one of the biggest problems facing society right now is nobody trusts anything, right? And nobody trusts the news, nobody trusts the media, nobody trusts the FDA, nobody trusts Fauci. And 
Part of this is perfectly deserved on behalf of the institutions. They've not been good fiduciaries of the trust we've given them in the past, right? Um, well, Tom, Thomas argues that Crow, this multi-billionaire, is a long-term, long-time good friend. And all of that is because it's not to influence him to his judgment. Incidentally, Thomas's wife has received enormous amounts of funds. Well, let me ask you this. Do, do any of his other friends that aren't on the Supreme Court get millions of dollars of gifts? Does well, he just hand out millions of dollars well, of gifts to all his friends? I told you, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, what's his name? Uh, Roberts. 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 Defending, defending the fact that he didn't report it, didn't even report it, much less refuse it. So, sorry, just for our listeners and for me too, could you just, uh, what exactly happened? Thomas received uh, millions of dollars in gifts from this guy Crow, and Chief Justice Roberts is supporting Thomas? For what, there's two problems. One, which is certainly something that he should have done, is reported. If it's clean and right, you're supposed to report. Any any potential conflict, because uh, the, the Crow has brought up uh, issues before the Supreme Court. He never rec recused himself from judging Crow's issues, and he's al he's also provided, you know, his yacht to go around the world. Airplane rides. Uh, he sold. Um, Thomas sold his house to Crow, and his mother lives in those houses. After he sold, he sold it to Crow. Uh, Thomas's mother does live there. So it's there's clearly a, if not a, an absolute violation. You're supposed to avoid even the um, appearance. The, the appearance, the impression of the, of the, and he certainly didn't do that. And his wife, who's very active, uh, a, a denier of uh, of the uh, of the Biden victory, saying that she's a, uh, uh, one of the strongest supporters for. Um, Trump having won the uh, the election in 2020, but she's received tons of money directly and through some organization that she leads. So, and and Roberts has said, well, we do have a code of ethics because there's a, a agitation on the part of uh, many people, the many citizens that we shouldn't have, uh, just as we have for congressmen and senators, and the, even the president, rules of ethics that they have to comply with. And here he didn't even report it much. If he felt it was okay, uh, it was just right. friendship, then you report it. My friend gave me this ride that, you know. Yeah, look, it's not the concept of privilege that I think is wrong, right? We could give them privileges. It's just li aligning those privileges with them doing better for the American people, right? So yeah. pay them even more. So they're not they're not looking for kickbacks, right? Um, 
uh, I don't know, have them graded by their constituents, right? But, you know, everyone else gets, uh, gets a, their job approval rating, right? right. Like you get your uh, review at the end of the year, right? Why shouldn't they have their review? Well, you're, so, already, you're raising another issue that's relevant to this discussion. Should Congress be the ones that vote for their own salary increases? They can uh, just get up and one congressman could propose it and they can vote for it and they can vote themselves a raise. Well, is, that, is that the appropriate approach? There's no other industry or, that I'm aware of where, they, where the employee decides if he should get a vote or the, the group of employees or the unions decide unilaterally. Well, let's examine it, right? Uh, it has actually I don't know who else been, would do. I don't know who else would be proper. Well, how bad has it been, right? So, oh. you're, meaning you're right. There's no no other industry where it's done, but the facts are they'd have to go report to their constituents, right? And if they voted themselves a ludicrous increase, um, probably they would not get reelected. And again, if we look at it, right? What are their? I don't know what their exact salaries are, but I, I don't think it's astronomical. Do we have actual data? What, what do congressmen and senators get, about 150, 200? So to me, that's the right number. I don't want them making too little because then, they're gonna take, then they need to take these bribes, right? So um, if you have another system uh, that's better, I, I would, I, I'm open to it. Well, but Jackie Mason always said we should put them on commission. <laughs> you know, if they perform well, and you know, we would say if, if they keep spending in line or if they they do proper things, they get a, a commission. You have to define what they get commission for. Okay, so it looks like they're hundred seventy four thousand for for both senators and sounds about right. Like, to be honest, I think they should make more. Yeah. So well, maybe you should be on a committee to instead of. <laughs> No, really, think like about that. it, right? We, we don't, th look, look at the medical profession. Doctors used to make the most money and therefore our, our best and brightest became doctors. That's really right. not the case anymore. So don't we want our best and brightest to be doctors? Um, I think 174 is reasonable. I think in, in previous podcasts, you've mentioned an idea which I thought was, was great. We're, um, you know, we want, we want people that don't need the public funds and don't, uh, you know, they're there to serve. They're not using it to transport themselves into a different strata of wealth than they've had. So I think you mentioned... But they do. Right. They do. Every one of them, almost without exception, becomes a lobbyist after they leave or goes to work for some company that um, they help during their, uh, their tenure. You know, they, they vote good things for these companies, and then the companies uh, uh, hire them. It's, yeah. It's not a, pr a quid pro quo going in, or supposedly not, but they do it. Even the people at the FDA all uh, are motivated to, to uh, respond well to the biggest pharmaceutical and biotech companies, because almost all of them, when they leave the FDA, join these companies at uh, right at big prices at big salaries or they they're engaged to, to give lectures uh, that give them big rewards so yeah you know we have a society that is motivated by 
money and income and and even sadly all of industry we've evolved to the point where they're motivated simply by profits but uh, uh, Milton Friedman said uh, that the obligation of corporations is to make the most money for their shareholders not worry about the environment not worried about oil spills or chemical levels that are dangerous to the uh, uh, population uh, that leaks into their water or uh, I mean so, so many different things that are that are uh, what things that pollute the air and give people asthma and there's no limitation you know and 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 interestingly, there's a basic conflict, uh, almost, uh, I never thought of this, but in a sense, uh, Karl <coughs> Marx had some merit because there's a, an intrinsic, basic conflict between the owners of companies and their employees because for them to increase their profits the most is to keep the salaries as low as possible, to cut the salaries, to cut, to, to let people go as fast as they could so they could have lower, lower uh, expenses and also to, uh, to um, avoid complying with laws that, help their, uh, that hurt their income. Yeah, so here's where I'll push back a little bit. Um, Karl Marx has probably had the worst idea I'm not. I didn't say Karl Marx. I'm not endorsing Karl Marx. I'm, I'm certainly not in course endorsing communism because it doesn't work. Right. Capitalism it, it is work. the best system. You need yeah. incentives. And, and I would add but, that but actually, after, well, if you want to make like on some level, you're not incentivized to pay your employees as little as possible because there's cost in employee turnover. There's cost in the marketplace, right? So it's not just whether or not your employees can work for you. You're up against everybody else. And I would say, you know, people living at the poverty line in America today um, live a much better life and have the resources available that, to them than the wealthiest people in communist Russia or China do. So clear, clearly that's played out. Um, it's, you know, free market capitalism is responsible for almost 100% of all the world's that advancements over the last 200 years, uh, really. And any advancement that the non-free market capital states have gotten is, have, have been stolen. The ideas have come from here. So it doesn't mean free market capitalism is without its flaws. It doesn't mean people aren't being left behind. But it's the best system we have. Uh, certainly, Western I don't liberal that, and democracies. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have brought up Marx. But the truth is, there's a basic natural conflict between what the um, what what Milton Friedman urged corporations to do to ignore everything but deliver the high, most profits to to, um, to their shareholders and that's like ignoring their obligations to their employees to the to their community to their country to the yeah. I mean you know it's it's really cold-hearted you know I'm in favor of incentives, but the incentives should include incentives to make their society better, for us to 
be, be like a family to, to encourage other members other, of society to do better. And I, I said there's, there's a basic uh, conflict. Uh, the tobacco companies didn't even want to give up cigarettes when, when their own kids were, were smoking. And that... And that's, look, you're 100% right, and that's where the government needs to step in. That's why we don't have a purely free market economy, right? There's these network externalities where pollution is not paid for, right? It is profitable to be a pollutant, and therefore the government's got to step in, which it has. And the markets also have their own mechanism, right? Like Philip Morris um, should have been catastrophically sued for all they're worth for killing people, right? So I don't know what their settlement was, how many they billion were, dollars, were, it wasn't enough. It was billions of dollars. It was billions of dollars, it still wasn't enough, right? How do you put a they, price they tag made, on a human life? They made a lot of lawyers billionaires who had never thought about becoming billionaires. But I want to go back to something else you spoke to, and, and I think that's really at the core of this, right? The whole lobbyist industry, or, you know, I was listening to a podcast recently. Uh, there's a podcast called All In. It's a, it's a bunch of Silicon Valley guys, but they're also political. They're smart. Um, it's like one of the top 20 part podcasts in the world, so it's slightly slightly behind your podcast in, uh, <laughs> in, in viewership. Um, but they had on the a political challenger. It's the quality of my, <laughs> my listeners. It's not the quantity. So we'll get the quantity going. I haven't... Advertised it. I haven't done that. Spent any money to promote it. So it's grassroots right now. Yeah. <laughs> but they they had a candidate on a leading challenger for Biden on the Democratic side, a guy by the name of RFK Jr. Are you familiar with him yeah, at all? Yeah. Yeah. So his uncle was president assassinated. His father was president assassinated. And he highlighted. His father wasn't president. No. His, sorry. His, his father, father was, was running attorney, for the attorney general. Yeah. He was. Uh, he had just won the California primary. Yeah. When he was assassinated, um, but he really highlighted what you were saying about you know not quite a deep state, but the way the incentives are for long-term people at the FDA at these regulatory, uh, government regulatory agencies to work hand-in-hand hand with big pharma and big companies and promote the big business. And that's not what they're doing. That's not what they should be doing. They should be working on behalf of the American people. And the whole concept of a lobbyist itself, right, the whole concept of lobbying is a way of putting money in front of, pe in front of people, right? Like your politician doesn't need help doing something good for the people, right? The lobbyist's job is to help him remember not to do good for people, right? To do good for right. business. And I don't know, I don't have a particular solution, but I, I think step one to the solution is identifying this problem, right? And if we could somehow realign our elected officials to be fully transparent on everything they vote on and to kind of get real data from their constituents about what, what's important, right? So what we have right now is 51% democracy. That means someone gets elected and for the next four years he gets to vote, right? Now what you really want is someone like pure democracy, not that everything should be put to the vote by all the people, right? But that there should be some dialogue, some communication, some, uh, like you said, some, some yearly review. And it's not just, okay, you're in office, do your thing, and all you got to well, worry about is getting reelected next presum four years. Presumably, that when we elect our representatives, whether to the House or the Senate, 
we under we're under the impression that they're going to dialogue, they're going to debate, they're going to uh, you know bring rational arguments to to arrive at a at a good solution for the benefit of all the people. The trouble is we're not a democracy, we're an autocracy because the guy who pays, the, the donors who pay and the lobbyists who are paid by the dog, by these wealthy guys are, are there to resist and eliminate. One of the major things they do is try to eliminate regulations that protect uh, the uh, people, you know, to help companies make more money. They, that's the reason the companies pay so much, so they could do things that that increase their profits. It's it's very very sad. It's supposed to be life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It's life, liberty. It's evolved to life, liberty, and the pursuit of ever larger GDP, and ever even more important, ever larger profits. That's what what it's come to. It's, it's not what the people want because we have issues where the, there's 70, 80 percent uh, not demand, but polls that show what people want and, and it's not even ever brought up, much less voted to be implemented. So what, what if you could speak to one, two or three practical steps that would solve this particular issue? What would you suggest? Well, let me show you how difficult it is. There's something called ESG. What, what does it stand for? Social, government... Sustainability and governance. What's the E stand for? E Not environment. Equality? Not equality, no. ESG, which is to make society, hopefully, to improve society's behavior or the environmental be, social and corporate governments environmental social and corporate government so there are a number of, uh, of activists that have adopted this ESG to make the United States a better country better is defined by people's values but I think it's really to make it a better country so a number of funds, including the largest fund in the world, uh, BlackRock, which manages more money than any other company, any other fund, and a guy Fink is the head of it, has introduced that as part of their, they won't big, buy companies that hurt the environment, that hurt uh, people, and um, so they haven't bought any oil companies. In fact, they've disposed of all their oil holdings. And there are other companies, uh, a group of them. And last year, oil shot up like from minus 40 over the year and quarter. They paid you $40 to take it, or less than zero, to over $100 a barrel. So it was, it was the most rewarding segment of the stock market last year. So a lot of the holders of those shares in those companies said, it's not your role to worry about the environment. It's your role to make us the most money. 
and that included people that are always for the teachers union that has money with them, or a lot of unions that have money with them. Uh, you know, it shows you how we, you know, yeah, we can't, you can't motivated. touch values. No, right? no, you can't touch people's. Uh, you can't teach an old money. dog. No, you can't, can't touch their income or their potential income. So one year it'll be bad, and then right away they want they want it eliminated. They they've beat up on Frank terribly. How could you do that? You know, it's not your business to. It's your business to make the most money, whatever you invest in. Yeah, if you got to invest, I, I will in, say this: if you got to invest in cigarettes and in, in, uh, what is it called, the uh, vape, vape vaping. Have you ever read what, uh, vaping? Have you ever read Rockefeller's biography? No. Um, John D. Rockefeller was pretty much the wealthiest guy ever. Um, so the first, it's a 700-page book. The first 400 pages are about how he is the nastiest businessman ever. Basically put everyone else in the, the world Nazi, The nastiest or nasty, the nasty? <laughs> nasty, <laughs> nasty. No, Ford was yeah. a Nazi. Um, basically put everyone else on the planet out of business. Matt oh. ran a, you know, a trust. Okay. Now, he ends up at the turn of the century, like 1900, he's got so much, he has no idea what to do with his money. So he's giving away $50 million at a clip, $50 million, not adjusted for today's terms, like that. Yes. And to the point where he created um, basically medical science as we know it. Like he started all the uh, medical schools and the institution. It was just a bunch of witch doctors before him. My point with all of this yes, is... It's hard to get a good witch doctor these days. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you want to know his temperament and his like core values was not good at all, right? Literally, oh, by the way, sorry, he was a God-fearing man, you know, no vices, was very good in that regard. But in terms of how he conducted his business ethics, would do anything for a dollar. But amazingly, despite his miserly you know, internal uh, metrics, the world has benefited from him in no small manner. Like, to the point we are like, it's insane what he accomplished for the world. Just, and basically all his son did all day was give away money. Like, $500 million between 1900 and 1910, right? So, he, he, here's the interesting thing. When individual people get phenomenally wealthy, they tend to do a lot of good with it. Not even even if they're bad guys. They just like, what are you going to do with like fifty million dollars? Right? You're, you're going to donate no, stuff. Uh, some of them have been well intentioned. Carnegie, Carnegie, likewise, did a lot of great. Yes, yeah, yeah. But corporations have your Milton Friedman problem, right? There's never enough for the corporation. It's always growing more and more and more and more and more shareholders, right? So um, you know. There's like this issue where when individuals are well, think about Bill Gates, all the amazing stuff he's done for the world. He has the Gates Foundation. He's not, he doesn't just have the Gates Foundation. He's convinced like a bunch of other billionaires to devote the, the majority of their money to saving the world in an intelligent way, right? But now think about Microsoft, right? They're not giving anything away. So there's this um, corporations, I don't want to say they're corrupt by nature, but like you said, they're... The motor that drive the the motor that fuels their engine is profit, 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 more profit. What do you do with it? Much more profit. Look to get invest and get more profit, right? Um, so that's this dichotomy. Whereas people, the more money they get, it tends no matter how bad that person is, 
<laughs> right? They tend to do good things with their money. Like, it's very hard to find, other than possibly Steve Jobs, who is known for not giving any charity. It's really hard to find a billionaire that doesn't give a tremendous amount of charity. It's an interesting It's dichotomy. interesting that uh, you say that because, uh, what's his name? Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, one of the best investments ever. He's done 19 point some percent compounded for the last 40 years or something. You, you, you double your money at 19 percent every, what is it, 19? 30, every three and a half years. Yeah, every three and a half years you double your money. Can you imagine what, what if you put $10,000 in or even $1,000 in? Yeah, and, and think about the math. So with Buffett, right, if you think he's worth how many billion now? Okay. He's given away. And he's given yeah, hundreds of billion to, uh, to the Gates Foundation. Foundation. A guy got up to the microphone and made a speech. Mm -hmm. How terrible he was. He gave money to the Gates Foundation. The damage they do, they, just, they had to take, uh, carry him off the stage, throw him out. Yeah, someone, someone will have a problem with what you do no matter what you're doing. <laughs> right? Um, I forgot what his main issue was, whether he supports pedophiles or what, a woke, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of cancel culture. I think, uh, I think <clears throat> we have another topic to discuss today, and that's the debt ceiling, right? Yeah, there's people that fix ceilings. They should call them in and let them... Uh, Get a roofer? Yeah, a roofer. <laughs> <laughs> They make such a big deal out of a, 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 a problem with the ceiling. I think they could use a roofie more than a roofer. <laughs> you know, that's, that, to me, that's not an issue, and it's just something that's, that's totally wrong. Uh, McCarthy, uh, Kevin McCarthy, is the head of the um, Speaker of the House, and he's using this issue, as it's been used a couple of times in the last two decades, maybe, or the last decade, it's only, I think it's the last two decades, to, start, to, to stop the government, to jeopardize the government's reputation. It's, it's, uh, its bonds were marked down by S&P and, and the other uh, rating agencies because it stopped paying its bills at one time. But it's being used as a, what is it called, a, cut, a cuddle? Not a cuddle, uh, you know, like a, a stick or something, uh, a weapon to, um, to achieve uh, political goals. You know, and that's, that's okay. You should fight for your political goals, but don't, don't, use a, a kind of blackmail where, you, where you're going to stop the government and you jeopardize the whole country and its, and its uh, credibility, its credit rating. And that's what he's doing now. Because the money that is owed, that they want to pay, was, was a result of expenditures that both parties approved. Otherwise, they couldn't have. Congress has to approve all expenditures. And it has, to be, it has to be done by a majority vote. So it was all voted on, and it was spent, but the money wasn't paid. You know, people take their, the government's uh, uh, promise to pay. 
So now the time has come to pay, and Kevin uh, McCarthy is saying... Oh, but he's tying it to the budget, right? So... He's tying it to the budget, but the budget uh, has not... They spent that. Well, I... I uh, so what do you mean? How, how, if you have a budget for what you're going to spend, and you spend it on your credit card, that's not, and then you spend it, and then the time comes to pay it, you decide you're not going to pay it. Well, you you, you can't decide not to pay it when you work. Absolutely. When you agree but, to, but they do need right. So they do need to come. <laughs> this problem is created last by last year's budget, right? And the no, what's being proposed to him is to raise the debt ceiling and to have this be the budget, right? So well, let's not, just frame the. They're not proposing that. They're proposing that we won't approve what to pay what what was spent. And the thing, they have every right to say, after the, this, we, we, we should do a, set up a new budget that doesn't get us into this uh, issue. You want to cut, as they do, they want to cut uh, so many, they, they proposed something. They said, oh, look, the Republicans put up a program to cut Social Security, to cut Medicare, to cut so many things. That's, that's only under duress, under, under uh, blackmail, that they could get their way on, on issues like this. So it's absolutely wrong. They have to approve it. Biden shouldn't compromise one, one iota. It's not something to discuss. You owe the money, pay it. That's, that's not something... You shouldn't compromise at all on the budget? On a future budget, you compromise whatever but you they want. They go hand in hand. From every year, they, every year they, they decide what they spend. But so decide not to spend more than you have. It's from what I understand, they propose the budget and then they raise the debt ceiling, right, to fund both the debt and the budget. So this is the time, the, right? Like, no, the, they raise, from what I understand, they have to raise the ceiling so they could pay their bills. That's what it is. It's not uh, anything to do. But it goes along with, with the proposed budget. No, the proposed budget comes up after after the new year, before they spend any more money. They could decide we're not going to have a budget that exceeds the debt limit. So, sorry. So let me ask you the pro pro what's the process of of the budget? comes up before the new year, and, and then what? What if they're split on the budget? It's negotiated. Yeah, and, it's that, and, and what if the president refuses to decide, negotiate? If they decide, the president doesn't decide the budget, the Congress does. Okay, but what, what if they're deadlocked, right? So from what I understand, this is a lever that could be pulled, right, to, to balance that budget. They, they do whatever they can, but that doesn't mean that they have a right to, uh, uh, to get, arrive at their budget. Budget. If the budget is arrived at by uh, you know agreement I, between the parties. I don't think the U.S. should default on its debt, but I do think fiscal responsibility is one of the greatest so problems. That, so deal with that, but yeah. don't deal with it in retrospect. After you spend the money, you can't say uh, we're not going to pay the bills. No, that's, so what, that's what, what well, no, that's what, what McCarthy is saying. No, what we're not going to give you the wherewithal to pay the bills. The Secretary of Treasury says that's going to be a disaster. It will. It, it jeopardizes our standing in the whole saying. world. McCarthy's saying is you want to pay the bills. Now's the time that you actually need my vote, right? But the second I give you that vote, you're going to do whatever you want on the budget. No. So 
The budget, the budget comes up again now. You want to deal with the budget? After your bills are paid, deal with the budget. If you don't pay American Express, yeah. you know, you're not entitled to do that. You could decide next year, you talk to your wife, your kids, we're not spending this on this, we're not spending on that. That's the new budget. You don't deal with next year's budget after you've spent this year's money. You can't, you can't do that. That's, that's not the way life well, is. So let me just ask you this. If, if, they, if they refuse to increase the uh, ceiling, it's going to be a disaster. The power of, uh, of the Federal Reserve says it. Uh, uh, what's her name at the Secretary of Treasury says yeah. all like economists without exception say you can't not pay that bill yeah and, and I agree that they shouldn't default on their debt but I am asking what is the way to deal with the national debt I told you it's just like you and your family decide not to pay this you can't Decide not but to the pay. fact is, it's it gotten does, out of hand. No, you, so it's gotten out of hand. Now we sit down, and we, we gotta, you gotta impose on your wife, or she, she says, screw you. We're gonna spend it, and then you have to pay it. If, if they, your wife and you are forced to agree to a higher expenditure, then whatever you spend, you're gonna have to pay. And if you don't agree on it, uh, if you agree to lo to stay within the, the parameters of what money you can earn then that's the budget, then you don't have to raise the ceiling. You don't, you don't use bribery or blackmail or, or, or this kind of leverage to get what you want. That's like, that's like an, a little kid laying down on the floor and fainting to, to induce his mother to give him something that he wants. You can't do that. No, you know, I, th I think all's fair in love and politics. It's, um, no, it's not fair because you can't, it's not right to jeopardize the nation, our nation, reputation and credit uh, rating and everything. Because you think, think about how the credit itself, right? So, so debt is now 1.3 times GDP around 1.35. It's at an all-time high. Yeah. Um, by the way, the cost of debt, anything that's coming due, right? We're now looking at interest rates. Um, you know, well, three that, and a half. That was the stupidity higher. of the government. I was urging, I wrote a book, and I was urging, but the, the pandemic came up, so I never, never had it published. But I was advocating, and they could have sold tons of bonds at 1% yield, 50-year bonds, 100-year bonds, at 1% yields, at 2% yields, and then they wouldn't be in this situation where now they're going to have to pay 6%. So right. any, any uh, projections about the future deficit were way out the window because they were, they were using 2%. Or so what is, what is the answer here, right? So just debt service alone on $31 trillion, right? Yeah, it's going to be 5% is $1.5 trillion. It's a major part of the budget. And what's GDP right now? Do we know? About um, $22 million, Okay, so it's about 7-8% of GDP is just going straight to debt service. At today's level, yeah, between debt service and uh, and defense spending, it's maybe uh, at least a quarter of the budget, uh, a quarter of what we spend, maybe more. So, what is the path forward? Do you think it's austerity? Do you think it's higher taxes? Do you well, usually when you get into that situation, it's suicide. 
<laughs> right. So every but other country that's... But the government can't commit suicide, so we, we have to figure out something else. I'm not worried about the deficit. You know why? We could never go bankrupt because we print our own money. And secondly, inflation takes care of it because after the war, Second World War, we had a, a, approximately a little less than this but, uh, relationship of, of uh, debt to GDP. And we paid it all off ultimately because and the, what do you call it? It's nominal, it's fixed. When you sell a thousand bond, dollar bond to government, it has to pay a thousand dollar back, a thousand dollars back twenty years later. But in the meantime, with inflation, right. they're paying back way less because now salaries have gone up, taxes have gone up, and so forth. So that takes care of it. It'll get taken care of. Yeah, I think the dirty little secret is that we we actually need the inflation, right? We need the lower Absolutely. interest rate, but we need, yeah, we need the lower interest rates and we need the inflation on the no, government. No, we should level. have two, three percent inflation all the time. Nobody's saying zero inflation is good, and deflation certainly is not good. Well, basically, you, you need inflation to be higher than the interest rate, right? Higher than the debt service for for to inflate the debt away. That's the math. That's that's the math here. No, well, over the years, you don't need. You need the long-term inflation rate to be higher than the long-term interest we're paying. At some because the interest, because the debt grows at the interest rate. No, not necessarily. If you if you start to reduce your debt, you rein in your debt, you rein in your expenditures. If you reduce your deficits, then it it disappears. Between inflation and reducing your deficits, look. Clinton is the only guy in the whole in the last two hundred years. I think the only time that we had a a surplus, a surplus. Uh, Milton Friedman even said, "What are we going to do? We won't have to issue any more bonds." Oh my God, it's a disaster! It's a, where will people put their money for safety? You need U.S. Treasuries. You need U.S. notes. I mean, he was out of his mind because uh, any time you think that the government won't spend more than it takes in and you, they won't need to borrow yeah. money, is ridiculous. Okay, we have 10 minutes to go. I'm, I'm notified. So, Do we have any questions from last week or any listener comments that we want to discuss? I want to discuss guns every week because... We don't have style. We we just increase the number of, and the the uh, the incidence of uh, of mass killings, and and all they talk about the, the governor of Texas says, yeah, we need uh, to deal with mental issues. It's like a distraction. The NRA uses that too, mental issues, as if that's going to solve it. And 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 why anybody needs why any civilian just one? There's the, just in the two hundredth mass shooting. Oh, two hundred. Yeah, that's not even two hundred days yet. This two hundredth of the year. So what 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 is that? Uh, how many days are there so far? January, yeah, February, so, uh, March, 
April. July 20th would be 120. What? No, it, yeah, but so. till the end of uh, January, February, it's about 130 days. So 200, so it's almost yeah. one and a half. It's one and a half a day. I don't know you have, how you have half a... How do you have half a, a mass shooting? <laughs> no, one and a half. And it's defined as at least four people getting shot. Yeah. Not you, four people getting killed. This doesn't four. make for a good discussion because I agree with you 100%. So... So how come it doesn't get done? How it's come? It's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. How come the how come the NRA, the National Rifle Association, has such power? And the Second Amendment, you know, can, can the I Second Amendment is it, so holy. It can't, like, it can't be it can't be dealt with. It can't be modified. It's so every it's, every constitutional issue. Can, I was just explaining to Len. You know, the number one. Uh, uh, the uh, issue in the Constitution is free speech, right? So that shows how important it is. It's number one, right? But it's not absolute, because think of it this way. Tucker Carlson was just thrown off Fox. He wants to do free speech, so he's gone on Twitter, and he makes speeches. And Fox is going to cut him off, saying he doesn't have the right to do that, because... He's still under contract to them. They're paying $20 million a year. If they keep paying his contract, well, he doesn't have free speech. Well, so it's not, it's not, you know, any, anything in the Constitution is subject to well, conditions, to circumstances. This is a little sometimes misunderstood. The right to free speech is the right to not have the government stop right. you from speech, right. free speech. Now, if you sign a contract with Fox, you right. do not have free speech, right. right? And if you're seven years old and you're sitting at the Shabbos table right. <laughs> and you're eating your dad's food, you also probably do not have the right to free speech, although uh, yeah, my so kids certainly shows, haven't figured that out. It shows so, that it's, it's not... It's not universal it's not and ubiquitous. Uh, that anything in the Constitution is not Look, absolute. He, so... Gun control, gun, gun availability, first of all, it's so confusing because it says a well-armed militia. Why would it preface it by saying a well-armed militia? It should say, if this was in their intention, every man uh, is entitled I, to have a gun. Here's where I lose my mind, it's, okay? I'll be talking to... Um, uh, the... Yeah, you're to 15 to be what? Right, so, so let's speak to that, right? Wants it to be what? George Santos, our congressman. Oh, yeah. Our, you're a <laughs> mine and your congressman. Uh, well, yeah. sad to say, has, who, um, has proposed that the who's AR-15... Who's like a year into Congress and has not actually had one thing about his bio turned out to be true? No, you're right. He said his mother was... <laughs> Is his smarter. name actually George? His mother... <laughs> I don't even know if that's his name. His mother, he says, his mother was a victim of the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> it's never been there. It's never. He said he went to. He worked at Goldman Sachs and uh, and he went to City College. Oh, every today he was in, in, indicted, he was really? arrested, in in Mineola. Um, he, he, here's what I've seen. And then and what's his name? Kevin McCarthy says, you know. Well, he, he won't let him go because every man is innocent of proven guilty. <laughs> um, it, it's just become identity, right? Like, 
when I speak to people in this neighborhood about gun control, and they, they <laughs> support the positions of the NRA, like, it's mind-boggling to me, just because they happen to be aligned on a different issue, right? The, the fact that people have just completely outsourced their brains, and they cannot think of an issue independent of another issue. If the Democrats like this, then I have to hate it. Why? Like, you hate kids? Like, you want kids being shot in school? On what planet, on what planet does any value that we have, or any normal human being have, align with mass shootings, right? So, if... There is data out of Australia where they got rid of all guns and they don't have mass shootings. It's not the only country, a right? lot of them. But, like, why not try it, right? <laughs> like, like, hey, I'm sure you could give me a hundred reasons for mass shootings, but how about we just try this experiment of getting rid of the guns? How about we get rid of the AR-15, right? Do you really need an AR-15 to defend your house from the person who can also get the AR-15 do if you, you don't ban it? Do, right? you need, do you need it for hunting? It's outrageous. Yeah. You know, as it is, the animal has no no shot, and the whole idea, the fun of hunting, is there's a chance you'll miss you. You know, and and you know it's interesting in in Jewish law, you're not allowed to hunt, and it's because of consideration that you might shoot the animal and not kill him, and that you're creating so much suffering. It, it's just for fun. That's yeah, so, you know. There is outrageous. actually a tutor from. Tshuva, a, a responsa from the Nodi Behuda, Cheskalanda yeah. of Prague. He, yeah. he was the preeminent scholar in his generation where he was asked, am I allowed to hunt? Is it what we call Tsar Balechaim, painting an animal? And he says, no, painting an animal is only if you don't kill it. So he goes, technically you might be allowed to, but he goes, why would you want to hunt? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you want to go do this to an animal? If, if it's to feed yourself, sure, absolutely. then you're allowed, you know, but... Um, but not for fun. Yeah. There's, it is really hard to wrap your head. Look, I have the around. problem. One of, I have four son-in-laws. One of them decided to buy a gun. I tell them, get rid of it. You're only increasing your chance of getting killed because if, if a criminal came into my house and I found him, I would be the nicest guy in the world. I'd give him anything he wants as quick as he wants just to get him out. I pointed out that a, a, a girl who was in bed recently, uh, an African-American girl, was killed while she was in bed by, by police. So how did that happen? So it only happened and it would have never happened. Apparently the police went into the wrong house and they opened the door and they started to go in and, and her boyfriend was in bed with her. So her boyfriend started to shoot at the police. So they returned fire and they killed the girl in bed. If he, if he didn't start shooting, they wouldn't have shot, then she'd be alive. You just increase it, you're raising the ante. Well, the, 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 you're the, raising the ante. You're not, even the police who are trained and everything hardly ever hit their... They hit their uh, the, the data is around training, right? So if you That's do own a gun, you definitely should have training. But no, I'm not necessarily... So they say for protection. For, you know what they announced when, when they had, had 47 people killed in the theater in Colorado? They said uh, a man, the only way to stop a man with a gun is to have some, uh, another man with a gun. That's a, it's a good man with a gun. 
So every, if everybody in that theater had a gun, this guy would have been killed quickly. You know what the truth is? If everybody <laughs> took out their guns in the theater, first of all, they would never know exactly who shot who, shot whom, who the original shooter was, and there were, probably would have been a hundred people killed before. You know, the, it's like the re reopening the Wild West. You know, we're going to shoot. It's dramatic. You pull out your two guns and, and fire. All right, it's been great. Time is up. Thank you very much, Shafrai. Thank you all. It's always great to have you on. Good to see you're you. You're brilliant. You're charming. You're personable. And sometimes you're not particularly even, good at sometimes tennis. Sometimes you're even agreeable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for coming from.